Welcome to another episode of the Get Your Edge podcast. I'm your host, Brian Bott from Sports Advantage. I'm excited to have my co-host, Coach Manchi from Kimberly. Coach has been back in the school recovering from his foot surgery, so he's back in action. Coach, how's it going over there? It's going awesome. You know, today is Saturday, and this is going to be released tomorrow, and we got the big Packer game tonight. It's cold, and we got the uh, Californians coming into uh, the frozen tundra, so uh, the weather looks like it's going to be a, a little competitive advantage for our Green Bay Packers. Yeah, there's definitely not going to be any suntan oil or banana boat being worn tonight. It's going to be it's going to be cold. Hopefully, there's some snow and there's definitely going to be some uh, some cheese curds ate. There's there's some brats, you know, probably being cooked already. There's people. There's I bet there's a lot of people doing some warm up laps, Dean, up there in Green Bay already. Up by you, what do you think? Yes, there's no doubt about it. I just saw in the news that uh, the 49ers were practicing outside at Bayport High School, and that's. You know, Alec Ingold was our first guest we ever had on the uh, podcast, and that's where he graduated from. So they're trying to get acclimated to the nice cold weather that we got up here. Come on, Westy, help us out. Help the Packers out. Don't be don't be giving away your field like that. You know what I mean? Let's go make those guys go practice out on the streets. Good Lord, we gotta we gotta get every advantage we can. Hey, one more thing, Dean. Obviously, uh, you know, we all grew up in a in a, in a day and age, you know, in the eighties and nineties. And, and we lost a incredible performer, uh, in meatloaf, uh, yes, on Friday. And, you know, not a lot of songs ring true with a lot of people, but I think even in today's day and age, um, paradise by the dashboard light, I even know my son Cameron knows that song. So, you know, you have some of those artists that, that there's music continues to live on and, and I think Meatloaf was 74 years old. And it's unfortunate because some of those songs, you listen to them. And me and my wife last night uh, listened to a couple songs. And we we're like, man, I remember when I was here. And I remember I was here with this song. And when that song came out, and it's really too bad, you know, to lose, you know, an icon like that, obviously. You know, music's such a big a motivator in the weight room, as we know. And I know our kids right now, it's, you know, little baby and, and yeah. all that, they're just always wanting little baby on the on the radio and, and getting kids pumped up. So music is a big part of a lot of our listeners' lives, I'm sure. Well, I don't know about little baby, Dean. I know at Sports Advantage, we still listen to White Snake and Motley Crue and, and things like that. It was even funny last week. Uh, Here I Go Again came on by White Snake. And I offered any of my kids in the gym um, if they could name the lady who was doing cartwheels on the cars and none of them could name Tawny Katane. But I did have about four of my kids. This is really speaks to um, our kids and their growth mindset. I don't know if rock and roll is, builds a growth mindset, but the fact that they wanted to figure it out. I had four kids go home and Google it, which obviously we've talked about what a great resource Google is, um, or talk to their parents and send me a message. They're like, coach, was that Tawny Katane? Was that Tawny Katane? So I really love the fact that they actually were like, I don't know the answer to this, but I'm going to go figure it out. And that's been just a, such a great growth mindset that kids, some of our kids have. The other thing, Brian, is, you know, your book challenge, I think has been really good for kids. I noticed some of the students that I have have been talking about books and we've always had a football leadership council. And currently right now I'm reading the talent code. What are you reading? I just finished uncommon leadership by Ben Newman. It is an incredible incredible book um absolutely i just i finished it actually for the second time dean i i read it 
Um, and then as, as a lot of our listeners know, I've done 75 hard from Andy Frisella. I'm now in what's called phase one uh, of his live hard program. So that's 30 days um, of the 75 hard program, which is two workouts a day. One is outside. So I'm doing a 45 minute workout outside, which as you know, today is going to be pretty tough, but building mental toughness, um, following a diet, drinking a gallon of water, um, taking a picture of yourself and then 10 pages of reading. Uh, the extra add-ons that I have with that is a five minute cold shower, which again, in this weather is pretty tough, 10 minutes of visualization. And then I get to pick three other critical tasks throughout the day. Um, and so I've been doing those uh, and it's just great for mental discipline. And I think going back to the reading part about it, Dean, it's just so important. And even coach Polisek, you know, on our, one of our podcasts, and I talked to Tim actually the other day, talked about just the value of just getting into a good book, um, shutting your mind off and really trying to build some leadership skills, some discipline skills and things like that. And I know you, you're always talking about the books you're reading. Absolutely. I mean, it's just a, it's a great thing. There's so many good ones out there. And just a quick plug in for those uh, listeners that haven't read uh, The Twin Thieves with Steve oh. Jones is just an incredible book as well. So always learning that growth mindset, getting better and more and more kids are, are getting into the books. And, and that's what I really like to see. Yeah, I think it's just such a great thing. And, um, you know, that kind of really leads into, you know, one of the things that, you know, we talked with Laura Phelps a couple of weeks ago, Dean, and she talked about building a routine and, and how important that is as, as, as to being an athlete, being a competitor, really just being successful in life. If you have a strong routine, those are the people that have the most success. So do you wake up at the same time every day? All right. You see a lot of, a lot of people on Monday through Thursday will get up, you know, at an early time and they'll get going. And then on Friday, they'll kind of sleep in a little bit. Saturday, Sunday, they sleep in a little bit more. And they that kind of throws their routine off. And we're not telling you that you have to get up at, you know, 4.30 or 5 o'clock every morning. But having a routine, some consistency, which is one of the pillars to success that we have at Sports Advantage, building a consistent routine is it's really hard to argue with the fact that those are the, that's the thing that most successful people really is a foundation for what they do. When I asked Laura, what, you know, is the, when you're off track, when the train's off the track, you know, what do you do to get back on? And, and basically she, she just said, it doesn't, doesn't happen. That it's that routine that she is constantly in, you know, Amy, Amy um, Davis, same thing, you know, that routine of, always being on, on the track. I think that's so important. And so many successful people get up early, not that you have to, but get up early and get those important things done right away. And if it's important enough to someone, they're going to find a way and get it done. Well, and I think successful people find a way to look at the, the critical tasks that they have throughout their day. And athletes, you know, that, that could be, you know, having breakfast, that could be what you have for schoolwork, that could be your training session, that could be some of the other things you need to get done. And like you said, if you have a routine, typically you're starting to focus on getting those tasks done. That's the first part of your day. That's the most important part of your day. So instead of, you know, waiting till the last minute or nine o'clock at night and being like, oh my gosh, I have a paper to write, you know, having a routine built in where it's like, maybe right when you come home from school you write your paper first and then you do your screen time or your video games things like that. I, I think building those constant habits are, are so important for 
everybody, you know, we could talk to, you know, that's, you know, obviously we're for athletes and coaches, but it's, it's for everybody, people in business. Uh, I know people that, that, you know, do task lists or like I do, you know, five critical tasks every day to really stay on task. And that's a routine that you do every single day. And it's not Monday through Friday and you take the weekends off. You know, the most successful people are the ones that on the weekends or on Fridays, like, you know, like I post a lot, you know, champions create distance on Fridays because they stick with their routine. And it's nothing really special, Dean, that we're talking about here. It's just being disciplined. It comes down to really being disciplined. You know, that routine is so important. As far as Laura mentioned, you have to make sure you have a plan. Yes. And as strength and conditioning coaches, we have a we have a workout plan. But we're constantly tweaking with that plan as we go through the weeks, seeing how, you know, we, we value, look at the assessment process, see how the kids are adapting and every individual is different. We're constantly tweaking and we're kind of an artist as far as changing that routine up as, as you go. And I think that's a big part of coaching is you're always tweaking it. You got to have a plan, but you're always tweaking with it. Athletes always have a plan. What's the pregame routine? You know, it's very important. What what gets them hyped up to for them to make sure that they have their best performance? Is it is it a warm-up? Is, is it listening to music? Is it in, in the locker room? What is your plan? Is it making sure you're visualizing, you know, you making that play or what that type of environment will be? I'm sure the 49ers right now are, are there, there's a reason why they were at Bayport High School. They're trying to get acclimated to the weather. And, it, and it's so much obviously different there. So their plan is that we have to get these guys out in the elements before we just go to game time. So have a plan, make sure that you are giving you some guidance. The plan is going to give you a little GPS, going to give you some guidance, but then understand that that plan isn't set in stone, that you must tweak it and you must adjust it as you go. We always say, Coach Mangan and myself, is we always study and adjust. Right. And if something doesn't work, we're always assessing the day in the in the weight room and what what can we do better? Maybe what flow would work better with the number of athletes that are in the weight room? What was the exercise description? What are we trying to get out of this phase of the weight program? And then we can make those adjustments. Right. I love the way you said like a GPS system, right? It's kind of like a guidance, but there's also you have to understand um, you know, if you're, you're talking about training or anything like that, you have to talk, you know, understand, you know, what your body needs, how your body's feeling. I mean, Laura said she was said that back when she was doing it, that she would have journaled a little bit more, you know, maybe like an RPE, like how she felt that day, you know, obviously, you know, sometimes for, you know, hormones and, and things like that, that people go through diet, um, you know, what you were eating, maybe how you trained after a certain meal. Um, there's so many factors that can really, aid or I guess say discourage performance or, or how you do that you really taking note of all those you know external factors that you have going on in your life um, and that allows you to you know tweak your routine a little bit and make it better because again if you're staying the same okay someone's going to pass you up right no one really stays in line or stays the same you either get better or you get worse and so finding ways to make your routine better is, is very important. And only the individual really knows that only the individual really knows how their body's feeling under stress or, or what they're going through. So being in touch with those things with your body um, or your mind or things like that is very important. 
during this pandemic, Brian, you know, one of the reasons why when I devise a weight program right now, we're not doing the traditional percentages all the time because what's happening right now is kids are quarantined for a week or kids get COVID and you got lots of flu going around right now, lots of colds going around right now. And, you know, when we're in that weight room, you know, if kids are feeling good and that's one of the reasons kind of leads us into Laura with the conjugate system is, hey, you're in a rep range there and you're going for it. And if you're feeling great and you're having a growth spurt or maybe you just ate great, maybe you got lots of sleep, maybe you're just fired up because you're you're listening to the, the song that we're playing in the weight rooms, one of your favorite songs, and you're getting after that last set. You know, I never want to lower the bar in a situation and say, hey, this is the weight that you're going to do today. And I don't want to, we visited you many times as, as a Kimberly football program when you were at Wisconsin, you would let guys go in season. If you're feeling good, hey, we let those guys go. If somebody's got a tweak or they're not feeling good or it's just one of those rough days in the weight room, we're, we're not going to push them and increase their chance of injury. We're really going to get in tune with the athlete and how they're feeling. We always say, if it's not your day, tomorrow's another day. Yep. But if you're feeling it, let's go. Let's go and let's get that big PR and let's move on. And let's walk out of that door better than what we came in. Well, and I, you know, that's called obviously called auto regulation, right, Dean? I mean, that's the tech, but I, I, you know, I like the term cybergenic periodization and that's what we use at Wisconsin, you know, and the guys love that because it was kind of like a cryptic name and, and things like that. But it's true. If you feel good, you know, you got to let it ride because those days where you're firing on all cylinders, they don't come as often, especially in season or as you get older. So when you're feeling it, you got to go. But I think, you know, and, and we use the conjugate system and I've used it, you know, since I was at Wisconsin and I love it and everybody, you know, and I'm not going to sit here and say it's the only way to do things. Cause I don't believe in, you know, an absolute mentality with strength and conditioning. We all know that there's many programs and especially with dealing with high school kids, puberty is probably the greatest, you know, thing that's happened to strength and conditioning because kids are going through growth spurts. They're getting hormones in their body. They're going to have success if they go back to that word consistency. If they're consistently training under a, 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 a well-managed program, they're going to have some success. The reason I utilize the conjugate system and the way, reason why our staff uses it is pretty much the, what Laura talked about, right? To me, it all comes back to injury prevention, all right? And there's so many misguided people in our profession, Dean, and I want to get on my soapbox on this right now. There's so many misguided people that when they hear the word conjugate method or conjugate system, they obviously think of Westside Barbell. They think of Louis Simmons. They think of Chuck Vogelpohl or, or Dave Tate or Laura Phelps. And they're all like powerlifting, powerlifting. You know, our kids aren't powerlifters. No, your kids aren't powerlifters. There's no question about that. The conjugate system was formed in the Soviet Union at the Dynamo Club for 45 various sports that's where they came up with the conjugate system in the in the 1960s 1970s in the soviet union when you look at the conjugate method and you break down a daily workload or a weekly workload 15 to 20 percent of your your work is done in the main exercise so that's either your max effort day for, or max effort exercise for the day or your dynamic exercise for the day Okay, whether you're on the max effort day or dynamic effort exercise uh, or dynamic effort day. The other 80 to 85% are in your auxiliaries. And what do we know, Dean? Why do kids break down? Areas of imbalance, 
areas of weakness. What is 80 to 85% of the conjugate method? Building imbalances and weaknesses in the body. So I stand very firm. It's the best way to train athletes because you're addressing our most important job as a strength and conditioning coach, and that's injury prevention, keeping kids healthy. You can't play if you can't practice, okay? If you're broken down, you're not going to be able to perform at the level you want. And so that's why we utilize the conjugate system. And I love the fact that that's where Laura went with it, that the auxiliaries are where it's at in the conjugate system. And it's always changing and evolving. So not only does it address um, the fact that the body adapts and adjusts, you know, in one to three weeks. So you have to change the stimulus. So you're always doing that, but it also gives the kids some excitement, right? You know, this in the high school math or in the high school system, Dean kids come in and if they see the same exercise for eight weeks in a row, they're got, God, this is, you know, you want to change it up and keep it fresh. And I know you're always keeping it fresh. So that's another benefit high school coaches or college coaches or any coach to the conjugate system. Everything is changing. So not only from a program standpoint, do you get some excitement in, in putting in different exercises, but the kids are like, oh, this is a cool exercise. Oh, you know, we're going to add change to the bar. Oh, you know, all those things that high school kids love. Brian, you know, I'm going to put a plug in. We start talking conjugate right now, and I know you can talk forever on that. And I just want to put a plug in. I'm a director for the NHSSCA, and it's the high school association national for the state of Wisconsin. I'm on that director board and it's just an, it's an amazing organization. And there is going to be the Wisconsin State Clinic February 19th at St. Thomas More High School. And yourself is speaking. Another guest that was already on our podcast is Matt Gifford. He's going to be speaking along with many others. So uh, we really like to see, I know we're both going to be attending. You're going to be speaking. So we're super excited. You're going to be talking about the conjugate method for athletes. And there's not only going to be you, but there's going to be five other speakers. So it's going to be an excellent, uh, very, very good clinic. So I highly recommend that to all of our listeners, coaches out there, sign up. It's very cheap. If you're a member, it's $25. If non-members, it's 50. And if you're a non-member, I would sign up. It, it's very cheap. And again, it's unbelievable content for all strength and conditioning coaches out there. And Dean, that's in Milwaukee, right? That's at Milwaukee Marquette High School, correct? It's that's at for- St. Thomas Moore High School, but that is in Milwaukee. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be a great event. I know they have a, uh, a social the night before as well, um, you know, where, where you can get together and, and things like that. And, and, you know, clinics, you know, we could kind of talk about clinics for a quick sec here. Clinics are great. Um, you know, if you can get one thing, you know, I think a lot of people misuse clinics. They go and they, they want to completely change their whole program. And Dean, you and I have been to clinics before. And I think the best things that we've done is, you know, we try and take one or two things that speakers say and figure out if we can add them into our program, not change our program, but add them into our program. And the other good thing about clinics coaches is this, it's a great way to build your network. You know, so don't just go to a clinic, listen to everybody talk and then go home. Like if there's a chance to go out for lunch with coaches, go introduce yourself. You know, I, I know for me, like our, our gyms are, are wide open. If, you know, we meet people at clinics and they want to come visit. You're more than welcome all the time. You know that from when I was at Wisconsin. Um, 
So for coaches, like this is a great way, not only to get knowledge from, you know, people that I think are doing it at a very high level in our profession, but also to meet people. And that's where you really build, you know, your, your, your foundations and your network is at lunch or after the sessions are over, or maybe if there is a sociable the night before where you can just sit down and just talk shop and just get to know somebody and get out get an understanding on that back to the conjugate system, Dean, because again, I, you know, I got to keep talking about it a little bit more here. Um, you know, I think a couple of things that we've seen where there are mistakes in the conjugate system. Okay. The first one, and Laura talked about this and she hammered on this when she was at our seminar, our clinic is the dynamic effort method has to be fast. It has to be fast. We see so many times um, with middle school kids that we utilize the conjugate system with our middle school kids and high school kids that they want it, you know, they want to get heavy. We got to have it heavy. It's got to feel heavy. No, it's got to be light and it's got to be fast. What is sports? Okay. It's starting, stopping and moving fast. All right. And so that's, and it really hits the force velocity curve when you're talking about the dynamic effort method, neglecting ab work. Okay. The conjugate system does an incredible job of addressing the posterior chain. And sometimes, and Laura even said this in our talk, Sometimes people focus even so much on the spinal erectors and reverse hypers that we hammer away at our kids that they don't do ab work. Okay. And again, that's going to create an imbalance and a lot, you don't usually see an imbalance as far as low back stronger than front side, but that can happen. So doing your ab work, okay. And varying it up. And the last one, and this is something that we really struggle with, with our kids is max effort versus maxing out, Right. Max effort is a maximal effort, 90% or above, okay, one to three reps on that day, getting all your reps, okay? When kids hear max effort, they immediately think max out and they want to go, they get a big set and they want to do another one and then they fail. No, all right? The most important thing that we can, that we can stress coaches with the conjugate system is we would rather have you leave that rep in the tank. You know, two reasons why one, all right, you want to, you want to break a record. If you can break a record by five pounds, break the record and then get out of it. Okay. The second one is nothing is more demoralizing for a kid, especially after he has broken a record. If he goes and tries another one, he fails, like let him walk away and be like, man, I could have got another one and be like, yeah, you could have, you know, and, and really amp them up. Be like, yeah, you were, you were set to go, but you know what? Next time we'll get it. You know what I mean? Because that time, because then he's hungry for more. You know what I mean, Dean? Yes. You know, that was the nice thing Laura said on, a, on, on her episode there was, you know, I think a lot of people think max effort is like you're failing every workout. And she said, you know, you want to be just to that. You want a great technical rep. And that was one of the things I took out of it. And it kind of goes along with what we said before with, hey, if you're not feeling great, don't push yourself. Don't fail. Walk out with a with a great workout. If you get a little bit of a PR, celebrate that. And tomorrow's another day. And then, like you said, stay hungry. Keeping that individual constantly wanting to get in that weight room to improve, to get stronger is the most important thing and being healthy in the process. Right. And I think, Dean, like we break it down for our kids like this. Okay. If you can improve five pounds a month in the squat, okay, five pounds a month, that's 60, that's a minimum of 60 pounds a year. Okay. 
And we've talked about this. People overestimate what they can do in three to six months and they underestimate what they can do in three to five years. Okay. So many kids want to go and so many trainers profess, Oh, we'll get your squat up hundred pounds in, in four months. Well, yeah, Dean, quite honestly, we can get kids squats up hundred pounds in four months. Okay. For an untrained kid, kid that's never done it before. We teach them good technique, teach them how to eat well. Okay. And it's going to go up, but then where does he go from there? Okay. And you and I both believe in the fact that there, it's just constant. We're watering it, water it, water it, water it, water it. So if you can get your kids in that belief of, Hey, let's just, let's get you five, maybe 10 pounds stronger a month. All right. Over the course of your four-year high school career, it's 250 to 300 pounds that your squat will go up. If you just keep that mindset. All right. And it goes back to our society, Dean. Everybody wants it right now. I want to be a 500 pound squatter, you know, right now. And some kids genetically, and you have, you know, and all high schools have these kids that are genetically built different than, than most kids. They just, they just have it. You know what I mean? But working with the masses, that's the message that we want you to send. Slow and steady always wins the race. Great points, Brian. And going back now, moving on to Frankie's topics that we, oh, yeah. we, want, we want to talk about. Is she had a very interesting situation. I think this happens to a lot, of, a lot of coaches' kids because coaches sometimes will change jobs. And she moved obviously from Wapan to Kimberly. And, you know, that's a very tough transition for anyone at any age. And I, I know a lot of people are in those situations. And I think what really kind of caught my eye right there or, in, or my ear was the situation when she said there was, you know, there's teachers there to help guide her and to really make that transition uh, as good as possible. Because what happens many times is I think, that person comes in and it just probably my teacher in me and that, you know, it's, it's a very difficult situation. You leave your friends at one school, you go to another school, you, you have to get new friends. And she made a great point that get yourself involved in sports that made the transition easier or any type of co-curricular activity. Cause when you're involved with that, you're going to meet new people and you're gonna develop some more friendships and, and that's gonna make that transition a lot easier. She also said the most difficult you know, situation when your dad's a coach is, hey, you're that person that transferred and, and you're the coach's daughter, the coach's son, and you're in that situation. And I think sometimes that can put a little bit of pressure on those student athletes too when they go into a different school. And I think, Dean, I think when you have transfers or, or kids changing schools, you have two different scenarios that, that, that present itself, right? The first one is, a, you know, someone moves from out of state, you know, because a, a relocation of jobs. So they don't really know anybody in the school, right? You're, you're walking in, in into a fresh environment where you don't know anybody. You don't know the principal. You don't know teachers. Maybe there's, you know, a relative or a connection there because, you know, mom or dad got a job because they, you know, something like that. So you're walking into that scenario completely blind. Okay. And, and I'm not really sure if that's harder or the scenario that Frankie talked about where she knew a lot of the people at the school, right? Because she compete, had competed against them, you know, and sometimes in athletics, those, those, you know, competitive relationships can be tough or they can be oh, good. You know, we're, we're welcoming you in. We're glad to have you here. But I think no matter what the scenario is, like you said, the best thing to do um, is to get involved, get involved in something, you know, um, be involved in, 
in any type of co-curricular activity because you can meet people that way. You can you, you can learn you know what the culture is in the school, um, what's expected, what's not expected. Uh, for people changing jobs, that's the same thing. You know, if you're changing jobs or moving to a different you know division in your job, you know it comes back to building relationships, right? How can you build relationships so you can understand? you know, the methodology and all the other things that go into moving into a new environment. And then you can build and, and build some trust with, you know, a few people that if you're really struggling, which, you know, moving to a new school can be hard, you know, in today's day and age. I mean, um, you know, it just, it really is walking in those doors. You, you're looking around, everybody knows each other. You may not know anybody. And so figuring out a way to build some relationships with that can be very hard. And might you know, another suggestion you know, if, if co-curriculars doesn't start, maybe you're a basketball kid and, and, you know, you don't play a fall sport, either go out for a fall sport or attend those fall sport games, go to the football games on Friday night, you know, try and, you know, sit with somebody at lunch. Hey, can I sit with you at lunch? Hey, can I, you know, something like this, try and, you know, be proactive versus waiting for someone to come to you. You know, I think that's very important. I love Frankie's comment on, Oh, you're the girl that played with the boys. Right. And you know, that fear of judgment nowadays, a lot of kids could take that lots of different ways and take it as a negative. She looked at it as a huge positive. It helped her become better. It helped her become more competitive. And obviously it helped in developing her skills at a much faster rate, playing against older, older individuals. Probably she said she played up a, a grade there and she played with the boys and other people that had a passion for the sport. So I really like that because a lot of times so many students are so worried about how their peers judge them and that can really affect them from a mental state. And she utilized that as a huge advantage to her. Right. And, and, and that is, I mean, that's real. We can't, you know, we, we can't say that that's not real. You know, you, you're going to be perceived, you know, in the first time you walk through the doors or, or things like that. People are going to look at you and that, that first, you know, first, that's why first impressions are really important, you know, and, and we talk about that with, with new hires that I have. Hey, you know, the first thing that we talk about with new hires that I have at sports advantage, is how you greet parents, you know, you shake their hands. When you shake their hands, you look them in the eye. You know, we talk to our kids about that. The first time, you know, parents really like this when, when kids come for assessments and it's their first time in our gym, which is very similar, right, Dean? You know, first time walking into a scenario you've never been, you know, I'll introduce myself to the young athlete. Sometimes we have 12 year olds. Sometimes we have 18 year olds. Typically they'll kind of look down or look away. And I say, Hey, give me your eyes. You know, this is a safe place. And I shake their hands, shake my hand. You know, that's the first most important thing is how you greet someone. And again, if you're in a new environment, really being in tune with how you greet someone, their body language, um, I think is just so important. And and like you said, with Frankie, she had an advantage because she was really good, right? And she was, you know, the, you know, she, she set herself apart, you know, at a younger age. So when she did walk in the door, they're like, hey, you know, we have her coming to play with us now. This is really cool. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It, it was, it was interesting before we got on with the taping, she said, oh, she was pretty nervous getting on the podcast and she handled it like a true yeah. champion. She right. did an incredible job. And I just look back, you know, when we started this podcast, we kind of kind of laughed at some of our first episodes and like, Hey, we were just, 
we, we weren't worried about how people were going to judge us. We, we knew what we were going to do with this podcast, who we were going to get our audience to, how we were going to educate people. And, you know, it just has gotten better and better as we get along. But don't be afraid to start. Right. You know, if you're an athlete, don't be afraid to try a new sport. Don't be afraid to go to college and do a sport. You know, take some chances. And everybody started out at one time. I always liked the Arnold Schwarzenegger when he started lifting. He was really scrawny and weak, just like everybody else is. So you have to, sometimes the hardest part is just getting started. Right. And and Frankie had a, you know, she had a, a competitive advantage in, in a sense is that her father was a, was a coach, you know? And so, you know, we talked about that, you know, he was, he was her coach and, you know, that's the reason why she moved, you know? And so that can be, that can be a pot, you know, for athletes, you know, I think this topic is, is really interesting. And for coaches as well, you know, coaching your own kid, um, you know, that can be a, a really good thing for athletes. And it can really be hard for some athletes because the first perception is that you get, you know, special treatment because your dad or your mom is a coach. And I would have to argue that pretty strongly because I've coached my kids and I understand the mentality that as a parent coach that you're in tune with as being their coach, you never want, at least I didn't ever want people to think that your kid was getting a special treatment. So a lot of times coaches are harder on their own kids, you know, and I think, you know, Matt Erickson talked about that too, Dean you know, where the players actually went to, you know, coach Erickson's, you know, he was his father went to him and said, Hey, you know, you got to back off on him a little bit, you know, you got to, you know, he can play, you know, things like that. And so if you're a parent coach, finding that balance of your coach during practice, all right. And your, your mom or dad, when you get in the car, you have to shut the switch off. It's the, that's the most that could be one of the most detrimental things to your relationship with your child if you can't shut that off. Because if you get in the car, and I and I made this mistake, you know, and I, you know, and with my kids, especially with Cam, um, and I did with Jaden to a certain degree, Dean, but I, I I learned that it was hurting our relationship. That we were reliving practice on that fifteen to twenty minute drive home that we were reliving a game on a 90 minute drive home from like Moss and after a baseball game, I was constantly talking about why'd you swing at this pitch? Why'd you throw that? You know, instead of just being dad, you know, there's, there's plenty of time to talk about those things, but if you're, if you're a father or a mother and you're coaching your kids, you have to figure out where the balance is because it, it can really be detrimental to your relationship with your children. And at the end of the day, that is the most important thing that that you do is is your father or a mother first and foremost i really liked when frankie mentioned that her dad was always there for her, even when she was in college you know you always have somebody to talk to and let's let's face it a lot of our guests and a lot of people that are very successful in athletics have some kind of connection maybe it's a mom or a dad that played sports or was really good at it, or they coach, or a family member, or maybe an older brother or sister. But you know, if it's in the family, it, it tends to be in the family, and those people tend to be very successful. Frankie was the youngest of all of her siblings, and we noticed 
a lot of times as coaches with all of our experiences, a lot of times that that younger sibling is the toughest just because they've been playing against the older brothers and older sisters and they've had the experience of going and watching them in tournaments and, and perform and things like that. But I really liked where Lucky was always there. Her dad's name is nickname Lucky. is Lucky, Lockwood Wirtz. <clears throat> and he was always there. But, you know, yeah, he's he's there and he has that relationship and he's there to support her and he's there to be a father. But then he also does understand what it takes. And she mentioned he mentioned to her that if your goal is this, this is what it's going to take to reach your goals. And I think kids just don't understand the time and effort it takes to get to an elite level. And I think that was really good advice. And it's something I kind of, I always, when I was coaching and my son and coaching youth is that I always focused on controlling the controllables. We're going to, you know, I'm going to be mad if your effort's not good. Yeah. I'm going to be mad if, if, if you're yelling at the referees or, or if, if you're playing dirty or a lot of the things that you can control, if you miss a shot, you miss a tackle, you, you strike out a, so be it. We understand nobody, nobody is trying to do bad, right. but how are you carrying yourself? Are you a great teammate? Are you showing great body language? Are you treating the the other coaches or your coaches with respect and the referees with respect and are you giving it your best effort because these are all things that i think are the things that transfer over to you as you leave athletics and you get in the real world as a father a mother you know, whatever the situation community member that are the things that are going to make you a better all-rounded person and i think too dean you know, as a parent coach, you, you know, not forcing it on your kids. It's so important, especially when you have multiple kids, every kid is different. And I can, you know, relate at my household, you know, Cameron is a football kid. He loves football. And, you know, when he was younger, I had him in basketball and I had him in baseball. Cause I thought, you know, the value of playing a multiple sports was very important. And, you know, I would just sign him up for the next sport, sign him up for the next sport, you know, and he played basketball through eighth grade. And I'll, I'll never forget him telling me, you know, cause he was a lefty and I'm like, Oh, you know, it'd be great to have a, you know, I played baseball. So I'm like having a left-handed pitcher would be awesome, you know, and kept signing him up. And finally he just said, dad, I, I don't like playing baseball. I, I don't want to play anymore. And you know, that was an incredible moment for me as a parent. I was like, well, wait a minute. Like you could, you know, you're a lefty, you're a bigger kid, you're strong. If we could, I don't like it. I don't want to play anymore. I want to, I, okay, well, what is, you know, I want to train more. You know, I love football. And so listening to your kids is important. You know, Jaden, Jaden's built different than Cameron is, you know, Cameron's a, a you know, he's a bigger kid. Cameron, Jaden's more of a speed kid. And at the same time, he didn't want to play basketball. You know, but he loves, he loves baseball. Carson, my third one, is completely different. Like, I didn't even know if he was going to play sports, but learning how to be like, you, you know, you tell me, you know, let your kids lead their path a little bit. But the one thing that for me as well has never strayed, if you're going to go out for a sport, you're going to do everything and more that's required to be successful in that sport. You're going to be at all the lifting sessions. You know, whether parents agree with what's going on or not, you're going to be at all this. 
You're going to go to, if they have passing league, you're going to go to that. You're going to be at practice on time and early. You're going to follow all the rules that the school has laid out for that team, no matter if your friends are doing it or not. All right. Because if you're going to go out for a team sport, you're going to be held accountable for that. And I think as a parent coach, it's really taught me how to listen to my kids as to what they want to do and then letting them guide it. But then also, like you said, holding the reins is like, hey, if you're going to go out, you know, you got to be a good teammate. You're not going to come home and, and, and bitch and complain about the coach. I don't, you know, I don't want to hear about your coach. You know, if you have a problem, go talk to your coach. You know, if he's being disrespectful, then we can talk about it. But if you have a problem with playing time, if you have a problem with things like that, go, go advocate for yourself. I'm not going to do that because I've been a coach and I don't, I don't want to deal with that either. I want to empower athletes to go advocate for yourself. You know, for the athletes out there, I think it's very important to understand that, you know, you cannot be afraid to talk to your coach. I don't care if it's playing time. You know, I've seen this happen a lot of times as a teacher is the athlete is very, very um, disgruntled in playing time. And then all of a sudden, you know, now they're starting to, to throw the coaches under the bus and everything else. You make sure athletes that the first thing you do when you start to feel like, you know, things aren't going the way that you want them to make sure you sit down and have that conversation with the coach. And I know Talk about getting out of your comfort zone. It's probably very, very difficult for a middle school, high school athlete to say, hey, coach, can we talk one-on-one -on -one and, and really just try to understand. But most coaches that I've known at any level are doing it for the athlete. They're not doing it for the wins and losses. They're not doing it for themselves, their ego, they really are volunteering many of times, Brian. They're volunteering, and they really are trying to do a very good job. Understand, not everybody is a coach. A lot of people that volunteer their time are not teachers. They don't coach for a living. So they don't have a lot of the experience, even though their heart is in the correct spot. So obviously, they're not going to be as good as somebody that does that for a living. So athletes, make sure you have that conversation. And then two, if your parents are embarrassing you in doing some things that are being a situation that it's giving you more anxiety and it's really bothering you, you have to have that conversation with mom, dad, or both of them. Right. And I know sometimes it can be one parent that's more extreme than the other. And maybe go to that parent that maybe might be a little bit more understanding and have that conversation and say, this is how it's affecting me, mom or dad, and just be truthful and then come up with a solution. Because I think a lot of times kids are afraid to have that communication process with their parents and therefore the parents keep acting a certain way. And really the kid is very... The athlete is very, um, they, they don't want to be in that situation at all. They're embarrassed right. by their parents' behavior. So always have that chain of command, athletes. Talk to your coach first. We educated big time at the high school. And parents, before you have an, any type of communication 
with a coach, the first thing I would say is, did your son or daughter talk to the coach first? Right. Did you have that conversation? And then if you did and you are still not happy, then you can go ahead and bring your son or daughter in and then talk to the coach to, to try to make that a better relationship. But many times the parent is going to go back to the coach and say something totally different than what the kid or the athlete is telling the coach. So you have to have all three, I believe, in the room going over it and settling it, knowing that, hey, let's, let's don't make this a negative. Let's make it a positive because everybody can get better. Everybody can get educated. We talk about the growth mindset all the time. And we don't want this to be where a situation now where a coach doesn't like me or is now isn't going to play my kid because of my behavior. We wanted to make sure it works for all three parties. Right. If you're going to be a distraction, you, you know I mean? That's going to turn the coach off, whether you like it or not, you know, and, and that's, 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 that's real life. You know what I mean? Is, is that if you're constantly bitching and complaining um, on the sidelines or off instead of just having, you know, upfront conversations, okay. Coaches are going to hear that. Okay. I think parents, you know, feel that, that coaches, especially if a coach is a, is a father or a, or a, a father or a mother to, to one of the kids on the teams, they're going to hear that. Right. And so now you're becoming a distraction to the team and coaches don't want to deal with distractions. Trust me, I don't want to deal with distractions in my baseball program. I don't want to deal with distractions. You don't want to deal with the high school level. And so, again, open lines of communication are very important. And, again, if you're coaching your own kid, have that separation with, with what you're doing. And last thing, athletes, make sure you got great body language. Oh, yeah. Have an opportunity. Coaches do, Dean, right? Coaches. Absolutely. Because I, I work with Coach Jason Mangan. Kimberly High School, he does some refing, basketball refereeing on the side. And, you know, again, I see him. He is doing everything he can to educate himself. We're, we're losing officials, referees, umpires. We're losing it right now. People don't want to do it. I've had many opportunities where high school kids will umpire little league games and, and they tell me what, you know, the parents just getting on them and all of this. Understand everyone's going to make a mistake. And they're trying to do the best job they can. How you handle that when you think it's a bad call, how you handle yourself tells me a lot more about what kind of character the athlete has. No question. It's very important. There's no, there's question. no question about it. So athletes, that's a challenge to you. Parents, <laughs> that's a challenge to you. And then understand a lot of these people are doing it for no money or very little money because they want to have the opportunity for that. And we're losing umpires. Yeah. We're losing all those people. So important for people to understand. Well, the other thing that they're not only they're not getting paid very much, they're also time away from their own family to do it. You know, so maybe a couple bucks helps them, you know, and then probably it does like young kids in high school and, and even adults, maybe they, they use it as their spending money or fun money, but they're also taking time away from their family. To, and if you look at it the right way, they're giving to your family. They're giving your kid the opportunity to play. They're giving you the opportunity to watch your kid play. So this person that is out there, you know, doing the best he can, um, and you're screaming from the sidelines at a 10-year-old 10, 10 Little League baseball game, 
I mean, that's why we're losing coaches. That's why we're, that's why we're losing coaches. That's why we're losing referees. That's why people don't want to volunteer because they don't want to deal with, you know, some of the antics that go on in the sideline. Well, Dean, you know, you brought up the, the clinic, the NHSSCA clinic in Wisconsin, in, in uh, Milwaukee, but tell us a little bit about the track one you're speaking at too. I know you'll be at that one. Yeah, I'm super excited. Wistacuts, which is the Wisconsin Track Coaches Association clinic. They put on an unbelievable track clinic. It's one of the best in the nation. And that is February 3rd, 4th, and 5th. And I will be speaking on building a high school throws program. And super excited. Another Mike Hardy, who was a thrower for me at Kimberly High School, who also helps coach with me with the Fox Valley Throws Club. He is also going to be speaking nice. on how to build a middle school high school throws program. So that's really very cool for me because Mike was a thrower and now he coaches he coaches at our high school. He's our D-line coach for football. He helps coach middle school track, and he's also a FIED teacher at the middle school. So it's going to be an unbelievable time and super excited. And coaches, whether you're at the high school in St. Thomas More, the strength clinic, and myself and, and Brian will be there, and Brian will be speaking, or you're at the track clinic, please, we talked about connections, come up and introduce yourself. And any way we can stay connected, you know, that's what it's all about. And we're learning. That's why we, we do this podcast. Well, the other one too, Dean, I want to put a plug in for the WFCA clinic that I just found out yesterday. I'll be speaking at on the Friday um, at, at the football coaches convention in, at the Marriott in Middleton, one of the biggest football conventions uh, in the, in the country, I believe. And I believe we'll also have a sports advantage booth there. So two different opportunities, coaches come introduce yourself uh, I'll be there pretty much all weekend. Um, I'll be wearing red and black, but it, it won't be badger red and black, but I'll be very excited to be there and, and meet a lot of you. And so, you know, this is a time we always thank everybody for hopping on the podcast, uh, listening. Um, the podcast is definitely continuing to grow. We love doing it. Please share the show, uh, with like-minded people, with parents, you know, share it with parents. Cause we did touch on, you know, some parent stuff today, share it with your kids things like that. Uh, and just kind of, you know, going back over, make sure you're building a great routine. Okay. Build that great routine. If you're going to use the conjugate method, make sure you follow it within the system. Don't try and, you know, go off to the side and say, we use a conjugate method, but we use like, you know, it's a system for a reason, you know, follow the system. If you have questions on that, give me or Dean a call. Um, athletes and, and parents, if you're moving into a new school district, uh, taking a new job, make sure you get involved. Okay, get involved right away, introduce yourself, things like that. And then the last topic we covered, obviously, is parent coaches um, and parents, things like that. Understand, you know, that how to go about coaching your kid, developing separation, and then how do you, how do you carry yourself? Dean, you got anything else for our listeners today? Go Packers. I'm excited. We're going to have an unbelievable guest coming up here, um, somebody that nobody wants to mess with. Oh, talk about fighting UFC and everything else. So I'm, I'm really jacked up for this next guest. That's going to be coming on pretty quick. Well, we're very excited. Uh, we will everybody enjoy the playoffs this weekend. All right, go pack and we will see you next time. Chop it.